Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is going to be a really special episode for me personally, and I know for you, but like you're, you have so much knowledge, Christy, that like spans all these different categories. But like my thing is like all about souls and past lives. And so we, we talked about souls in the most recent episode. And what I want to dive into deeper today is our past lives. So you like specialize, like you have such a deep love and curiosity about this. So I'm more like, I want to take a little bit off the top of everything. And you're more like a specialist in the things that you are attracted to learning about. So like, give yourself some credit. Not a lot of people really know this much information about a soul. And it's pretty, it's pretty profound. It's incredible uh, knowledge. And it's actually a really cool thing to be a specialist in. Yeah, that's so funny, because like, I don't really consider myself a specialist, but I, I do. You're loving that validation right now. But- you are, dude. You, if anybody ever has soul questions, hit Melissa up because she is all about it. <laughs> just, uh, the thing is, like, it, I, I, my passion is what's made me like a specialist because yeah, like, I talk about this all day, and I just am so energized by these conversations about souls and the soul's journey and like past lives and. I just like literally want to talk to anybody and everybody about it. I'm always like, so many questions. Like, what do you want to know about? <laughs> topic and let's go. <laughs> I love it because I know I'm like, okay, I've heard like 10 questions on souls. Let's move on to the next genre of stuff. So yeah. let's deep dive into part two about souls and the soul's journey and karma and all of the stuff. Yeah. So you and I both do this past life regression work. And your evolution with that is kind of taking you into your own way of providing that quantum healing and and quantum traveling experience with souls. I am super obsessed with the past lives aspect. And every time I do a past life regression session, I am like continually awed by the magnitude of our soul's experience that we've already had and the infinite possibility of where we could expand and grow into next. Right. Yeah. Literally all of, even your stories, they, I'm just like, what? I can't wait to listen to that one. Like your stories alone. And you're only one past life regressionist, but like, I've read a lot of Dolores, Dolores Cannons and, um, Dr. Nelson, wait, what's his name? Michael Newton, Um, Dr. Michael Newton and stuff like that. But this is like real time shit that you're learning and hearing from people say through their soul. And so that feels so much more important and relevant to, to me right now. That's why I get so excited when you tell me about your stories and like every time it's like crazier and crazier. It's girl, it's really crazy. So cool. And it's like so unexpected every time. Like last night I had a client who had a dinosaur life and I, I'm waiting for a dinosaur life. And like, I was just like, this is so freaking cool. Like I'm actually, I'm going to make a clip of it and like post it, but it was just so fascinating. You never know what the soul is going to bring up. 
I don't want to go like too deep into it because I understand this episode isn't about that specifically, but was your client the dinosaur in this life? Wait, what? Was your client the dinosaur or was your client just living with dinosaurs? She was a dinosaur. She was like a long neck, like brontosaurus dinosaur. She didn't say brontosaurus, but that's kind of what she was describing. That's the conclusions we came to. Um, that's freaking awesome, dude. That is so freaking cool. It's really cool. Like this, the the fact that like the soul can take on so many different forms and so many different lives on earth and not on earth and at every stage of earth's evolution is just like so mind-blowing so when we're talking about past lives like maybe we can open the conversation with like no 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 never mind we're gonna close with that okay and let's close with our favorite past life story that either like we've experienced or we've had a client Um, okay they're not like our favorite past life that we come across. Although it's so hard to choose. Like all of them are like my favorites, but. Right. <laughs> some of the most common questions that we get about past lives. And probably the most common question that I get about past lives is like, why do we reincarnate so many times? Like, right. Oh what the hell are we here trying to achieve? Why do we keep coming back so many times? And what are we trying to achieve? So the way I look at past lives is I like to use the analogy of a necklace, like a pearl necklace. Mm -hmm. Life is an individual pearl on that string. So although each life is independent and unique and special all on its own, it's also connected to all these other lives. And if you move one, like everything is affected along that entire string. It's all tied together with that beautiful golden thread, which is our higher self, our oversoul, which is the common denominator through all of the past lives that we experience. Yeah. Like our soul cord. Yeah. Exactly. And all of our past lives do affect what we're experiencing now. We can carry trauma forward. We can carry karma forward. We may not always understand why we have these fears and insecurities that we have in our lives. And a lot of times that can stem from a past life, but we'll get there. Like, let's start with, again, like, what's the point of it all? Why do we do this so many times? I believe that the reason we keep reincarnating on earth is because we can experience things in the physical that our soul is unable to experience in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, souls are like all knowing and there lacks that depth of experience that can only be felt in the physical in the fact that like in physical form we have all these senses our five senses yeah we don't have that as a spirit in the physical we have this wide range of emotions we can experience everything from the deepest pain and tragedy and heartbreak and sadness we can also experience the highest levels of ecstasy and happiness and fulfillment and purpose. Mm -hmm. 
again, those are experiences that like a soul cannot experience to the same extent as a non-physical being. So yeah. my kind of philosophy of why we come to earth is to experience, to, mm -hmm. to learn and grow and develop. Yes. But to learn and grow and develop in a way that we're unable to do as spirit. Yeah. Totally agree with all of that. I really do. Um, because when you're in spirit form or, you know, your natural form, if you will accept that, um, all you know is love. Like you don't have any bad to compare it to. So all you know is love and peace and harmony and balance because that's all you're doing over there. But when you come here, you get that duality and that growth in your soul that you don't really necessarily get in the spirit realm or the soul realm or whatever, because there is nothing except perfection and love. Here, we get to put on these masks that are imperfect. But I mean, in all actuality, they're not, but we view them as imperfect. So it allows us to decipher like, okay, I do love this experience and I don't love this experience. So this is what we're going to label as good and bad when really it's all the same thing. It's all love. It's just this love looks like this and I hate it. And this love looks like this and I love it type. Yeah. And we come from love. We come mm -hmm. the 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 source of all that is of creation and unconditional love. And being here in a meat soup is also the journey of remembering and coming home to that truth within ourselves. Because as you know, we come in and for the most part, our memories are wiped clean. Like we don't carry the full remembrance of our past lives into our current incarnations for a number of reasons. The most obvious of which being if we remembered everything from every life that ever happened to us, like we'd be so overwhelmed that we'd be unable to focus on what we're here to do in this current. Right. Right. We'd be obsessing on fixing the past shit instead of living this life here now. Or even like, it'd be harder for us to fix the past shit because we remember like everything that soul has ever done to us. And we'd be like, yeah, that person like you know like they he's in a different life like right right I didn't even think about that part like how am, how are you incarnated as my husband this time when you murdered me the last three like you kidding <laughs> that's so funny it's, yeah it's like going back to that love it's like the roles that we play in each other's lives and in multiple incarnations always come back comes back to love like souls agree to come in and be that person who will kick you when you're down and make your life hell because they're agreeing to sacrifice themselves their reputation in this life for your highest good yeah they did if they are not playing that role for you then you won't learn the lesson of self-reliance of self-love of, of sovereignty things like that so it's like it does all come back to love and the people that can hurt you in the, the most in the life are actually from a soul perspective being the most loving that they ever. Yeah. Have. Yeah. And that can be a really hard concept for people to wrap their minds around, but I mean, it's the truth. It's, it's tough love in its most natural form, basically. Yeah. I'd actually love to hear from you, Christy, on like how you have been able to adopt that mindset 
that like soul perspective mindset, because I know that you've gone through a lot in your life and you don't have to go into like the details, but personally, like my life has, has been a little bit like easier comparatively to some people. Like I, I haven't experienced like so much trauma. So I feel like it's easier for me to like adopt that soul perspective. Cause I haven't been hit with contrast to the extent that others have. Mm-hmm. But knowing that you have overcome many difficulties and challenges in your life, like how were you able to come to that perspective of like honoring the sacrifice that other souls have made in the name of love instead of having it come from the perspective of like, why me? Um, I feel like that in a way, like I've always been so connected to my higher self that I've never even really allowed myself to go into that opposite spectrum of like, if something happens to me, I've never, okay, so when shit happened to me, like when I was a kid or a teenager, or even a young adult, I was never like, oh, yay, I learned that life lesson. And, you know, I can move forward from here. It wasn't like that. It was like very much why me? How come this shit happens to me over and over and over? But at the same time, I also adopted the mentality of like, if this hurts me so bad and it like, and it can absolutely destroy my world and like burn me down to the ground and if I can build myself back up, and I can find that joy again, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure if anybody else is in any of those types of situations, to help them understand like, this doesn't have to be an end all be all for you. Um, My biggest drive, I guess you could say is the fact that I do know how bad it hurts. And, and people are going to do the things they're going to do. And there's nothing you could do about it. That's why we came to earth. Now, not knowing that this whole time, I do know, shit's painful. And if I can help people realize, or even help them like not have to feel the types of pains that I've gone through, um, then I will block that for them. And any by any means possible I'll give you advice I'll send you links I will give you my book I'll give you my audible login you know so you can listen to everything that's helped me but the most important thing I think is to lead by example and my heart never my heart never like grew ice around it it never got hard it was always like I always see the spark in people that that is the divinity that I see the good in the people other people don't see the good and so it just always kind of pushes me to keep going because if I can see that they can bring that out of them and if if you lead by example that is really the best teacher that you can give anybody in any lesson in life so if I can find happiness after all the shit that I've gone through so can you so can anybody and I think that eventually people will know my whole story and they're going to be like, how did you make it through the, all of that stuff? But it was because like, I know, I remember hearing, I think it was like four or five or six. I remember hearing my mom or dad saying like, we're never going to live in a world where there's world peace. And I know I was that age because it was during a war at the end of the 80s. And I don't remember what that war was. But I think it was my dad who's like, we're never going to see world peace. And I remember thinking, that's not fucking true. That's not true. There is no way in hell that everybody can't be happy and love each other. I just don't believe that that's 
true. And yeah, stuff got a lot worse after that since the 80s. Like a lot more really bad things have happened. But in order for that world peace to be attainable, which I believe is so deep in my uh, energetic blueprint because I came here to hold that hope, all this dirty, dusty shit needs to come out. Like the earth needs to crack and the dark smoke needs to come out. Like the bad guys need to put, have the light put on them. But it doesn't mean that like we're going to stay in this dark era. This is exactly what we need to come to light in order to make it to the other side and to start going towards world peace. But it's just like in my DNA to, to know, like it's an actual knowing, like that's a bunch of bullshit. World peace is going to happen. And there's more people on me or on earth like me to be here and hold that hope. There's no doubt in my mind. Mm, I feel that. That was, yeah. It's like you had that soul remembrance from the beginning. Mm -hmm. There is that hope and that knowing of like what we can achieve. Mm -hmm. There's that, that hope and that knowing of like, it has to, in some ways, like it does have to get so bad that people wake up. Mm -hmm. They have to get pissed off. Like it's time. We have to take our power back and demand peace. Yes. It has to get so stale that people are like, what the fuck are we, why are we still fighting wars? Yeah. What? still doing this like thousands of years and we we just keep getting on the same hamster wheel like it has to boil up to a point that people are like we're done and we're ready mm -hmm. and so in some ways like I just think that's a soul remembrance and a, like a a commitment to holding that vision throughout the bad throughout the challenge yeah and this is something I do tell my kids all the time. I point to her, my 18-year-old sit right there. Um, if God put me here, say there, you know, is a person God, and he was like, Christy's going to go here now. The one main thing I think I came here to absolutely teach people is that forgiveness is going to be your number one tool. Forgiveness is the most essential quality we can have. In realizing that things are going to happen, people are going to make mistakes, um, really, really, really bad things, you know, but you can actually forgive for even the worst things, even though it seems impossible, but you forgiving is not for them. It's for you. It allows you to get that burden off your shoulders or chest. It allows you to continue moving on with your life saying you don't have that power because I'm not going to give a shit no more. I forgive you. I'm releasing any hold you have on me. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be sad. I'm not going to be fucking anything except for loving to you. If I ever have to face you again, because me holding on to anything, it, it traps me. It gives them my power. And that's what I tell my kids all the time. Like your forgiveness is your greatest gift. That's it really is. It truly is forgiveness for others and also forgiveness for ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest one too, is forgiving yourself because it's the hardest one. Like why do you, who are you to forgive yourself and why do you get to do it? Because that's what you came here to learn how to do. That's why. And you can, if you can forgive so-and-so for 
beating your ass and raping you, you can forgive yourself for making a bad judgment on somebody that you regret. Like you can forgive anything. You don't have to be friends. You don't have to like welcome them into your space, but you absolutely can forgive and should forgive for your own freedom, your own liberation, and for your heart to be able to expand again. It's just so important. And I feel like that forgiveness is a gateway to deeper understanding and greater awareness. Absolutely. That puts you in a position where you can actually look at the trauma that you experienced and see what, see how it served you instead of feeling how unfair it was or how unjust it was. And when you are in a place of awareness and understanding, that is like the most powerful place that you can be. Yeah, it really is so powerful. And because the, so the cycle, because everything is cyclistic in this entire universe and the cycle is misery loves misery. Misery loves company, hurt people, hurt people. Okay. So in general, if say you had a grandfather who molested somebody in your family and then you know that some like an uncle and then that uncle then molested somebody like a nephew you know they aren't doing it because they're evil fucking people and they came here to like do evil people things they're doing it because they're shown I was I got some power taken away from me and this is how I take it back I'm going to take it from somebody else and ending these cycles is realizing the person who hurt you is also just as hurt as you are. And you can forgive them for not knowing better on how to heal that hurt. And you can stop that fucking cycle right now. Like, sorry about all the language, but like the stuff runs deep, like in so many families and so many people are unaware, but like, that's how you end a cycle. You don't turn around and hurt somebody because you're hurt. You turn around and love the person who hurt you, even if it has to be at a distance. That's how you break a cycle. Absolutely. And in our lives, we get caught on these cycles of karma. And it can be so hard to break out of. We see <laughs> people who are just, even like, like their cycles over lifetimes and then their cycles within the life. People that continuously get into toxic relationships or abusive mm-hmm. relationships, like over and over and over again. It's like these cycles show up in our lives, not because they're trying to hurt us, not because they're trying to keep us down, but it because they are reflections of something that we need to see and actualize within ourselves. And when we are able to have that light bulb moment, and see how this served us, how it helped you grow, um, how you were able to become a phoenix rising out of those. Yeah. Like that's when you break those karmic cycles. And I want to talk a little bit about karma because this is really, I think, misunderstood and misinterpreted by the mainstream. So maybe we can start with defining like what is karma? I believe, and what I have found is that karma is less of 
a consequence or a punishment and more of a balancing of experiences. Agreed. Yeah. It's a reverberation of whatever you put out. It's going to reverberate back to you. Even if it's not to the same exact capacity, it's coming back. (laughs) Yeah. And like people say karma, like what goes around comes around and like, yeah, it's true. But like, it's not because of this like evil, like force is going to like bring it back to you to hurt you. It's like, that's a very human way to think about it. I think it's important for us to like, again, try to step outside of our human perspective and look at it from a soul perspective. So from a soul perspective, when a soul does an extreme act against another person in a life, they are, they are experiencing one extreme of the spectrum. And then a soul needs to grow and learn from every experience. And Mm -hmm. the way the soul can truly learn from that experience is by experiencing that which was done back onto itself. And mm-hmm. that can come in a variety of different ways. It, it doesn't always have to be the exact same situation done unto them. But in that cycle of karma, when it comes back to you, it it's a development opportunity because the soul then has, from a soul perspective, a 360 degree view of that entire experience. It's experiencing receiving that experience and it has experienced perpetuating yeah 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 and it doesn't even necessarily have to happen in the same life or even the life directly after it like you're you could be paying back karma from like three million years ago you never know like (laughs) karma it it really never forgets because the law of one and reverberation and the pendulum is always going to swing back. Like everything is cyclistic and it's going to finish that circle. Like there's, it's nonstop. Totally. And I love that you said it doesn't have to like happen in the same life or even subsequent lives. Like something can be so extreme that a soul's like, okay, I need to take a minute and like have a, like a number of lives in between before I come back to like complete that lesson. Right. I want to like share a couple of concrete examples of karma that we've ex- like discovered through this type of work, either through our own sessions or through um, like our research and readings and learning from like Dolores Cannon and Dr. Michael Newton. Um, and I think like the biggest place that people get stuck on when it comes to karma is like, excuse me, um, the concept of like murder and like Mm -hmm. murdering other people. And is like, if you murder somebody, then you're, then you're going to like, are you going to get murdered in another life? And I think this is like a really good example to talk through and show that like, it doesn't always have to, it's not always a life for a life. Yeah. If the soul does something as extreme as like taking the life of somebody else, it can experience the the opposite effect of that in different ways. So like Dr. Michael Newton shared an example where it could come through in that, sure, maybe you are murdered in another life or your life is cut tragically short by a disease or something. Like you essentially as a soul 
in a human have to experience the loss of life. So that loss of your life in some way, it could be the loss of a loved one that happens in a really tragic or untimely way. And then you have to live the rest of your life grappling with the loss, that deep Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And Dr. I think it was Dr. Newton also shared that like, it could also be the giving of one's life for someone else. Um, Yeah. It could be literally sacrificing your life and it for another person to live, or it could be devoting your life in service to another person. So like, say you killed somebody in a past life and a number of lives later, you, you guys come together and you're like, okay, let's even this out. So in this life, I'm going to be the dad and you're going to come in as my severely like, uh, disabled old person. And I have to then devote my life and sacrifice my life, sacrifice the things I want to do and achieve in my life to be of service 24 seven to this person. Yeah. I had a client also who experienced uh, a past life where they were, uh, it was like a very sadistic life and mm-hmm. uh, the client's a she, but in this life, um, she was a guy who killed a number of women and in her life now she has extremely challenging and extremely traumatic and difficult relationships with women and so it's an interesting way of that again like coming back in a 360 perspective but one of the beauties of like being able to have a past life regression is now because she knows where that came from She's also better equipped and more empowered to deal with the situations that she has in her current life from an informed place. Right. Yeah. Like, could you imagine? I could not imagine being her and being like, well, I guess I got the good end of the deal because I just have to manage relationships with females. And I like, at least they're not all sitting here murdering me type of type of a mindset, which really can make you really a lot more optimistic and more patient with these relationships that you're serving now that's that would be a difficult one yeah so all that to say like there's so many different ways that karma could come back around to you and the best way to end those cycles is just to again like have that growth mindset and to try to find some silver lining in the situation that either helped you grow or made you stronger in some way Um, Mm -hmm. to look and see like how you could use those situations to help others as well yeah um so my husband actually he spent a good amount of his time in foster care growing up uh his mom was busy so he she's now not doing too hot and she hasn't been for quite a while but he takes care of her day in and day out and I like remind him all the time like I don't know like what kind of karma you're paying back but like you're definitely passing the test because you're taking care of somebody who ultimately at your weakest and when you needed them most they didn't necessarily take care of you but you're looking past that and tapping into that unconditional love and completely taking care of her and catering to her and making sure she has everything she needs every single day, multiple times a day. It's unreal, but that's how you, you look past that 
negative or grudge or like resentment and you just put your heart into it and you can get on the other side of that that's how you balance your karma yeah and if you need to figure out why why is my life like this like you can go to facilitators such as you or myself psychic mediums you could do you know like there are means to find out like is this this life's karma I'm working through or is this a different life's karma I can really figure out how to master this life it's we're all here for self-mastery and we're kind of like at the end of that part of the evolution where it's really important to figure our self-mastery out and and that's not going to start until you pour that self-love into you first learn how to master yourself and then nobody else outside you can affect you yeah that's a huge lesson I think that's like you know, every soul's on their own journey, right? And like every soul has their own karma that they're working out with others. But mm-hmm. the overarching goal of a soul is to come home to the truth within ourselves and detach from the external conditioning and right. this of everything that's happening around us. The eternal truth is that we are all one. We all came from the same dude or dude at or they them that splashed us out so like that's the ultimate that's the ultimate truth we are all the same we are all one and we should treat each other as such that's why they say hurting a neighbor is hurting yourself because it is (laughs) i love that so i think that leads really well into the next kind of bucket that i wanted to talk about in terms of our past lives is like how our past lives are still affecting our current lives outside of karma, but how those past life experiences manifest in our current life through like different things, such as our fears, our insecurities, and even some of the physical like chronic illnesses and and Mm -hmm. situations that we have in our bodies. Let's start with our fear. Okay. What's yours? Um, my it's kind of dumb. I have this irrational fear of flies. Like, really? I hate flies. I freak out if there's a fly. Like, actually, in my house now, like, there's something wrong with my screens, and I just need to get the screens fixed. But like, sometimes when I open the window, it like I don't know, it pressurizes and like flies can get through the screens and like they'll come into my house and so like I've stopped opening the windows even though I desperately crave like fresh air yeah because I'm so afraid of a fly coming into the house like I have an irrational fear of flies (laughs) so we have we figured that one out yet like and I I don't want to because I'm like afraid to see a life where like I was covered in flies or something what if you were a fly though and like and like you know like what if you were a fly that's a that's a life worth (laughs) no like I see this is like it's funny because like you can be like so spiritual and like have this understanding but you still like our human still doesn't want to go right right like I will be open to that uh, eventually. Irrational fear that I just try not to think about. <laughs> well, it's just like my my fear of bridges. Like I remember, you're like, do we really want to go in and try and figure that out? And I'm like, not really. Like, 
I mean, I don't think I need to like aim a whole session on it. I'm just, it's, I'm 40. I've been doing the panic attacks on bridges for 40 years. Like I'm totally cool with it. But like my, I think my higher self had brought it up before in one of our past lives where you asked my higher self and she basically said it wasn't her, it wasn't because she died on bridges. She's died in multiple lives on bridges but then out of nowhere, I had an epiphany. I think I remember telling you about it. And I'm like, I took my own life. Because remember, she's like, it It was a lack of control. It's her lack of control with bridges. It, like I, And I'm like, well, maybe it's because, you know, I'm not harnessed to anything. Or if it falls, the car falls. Or like even walking over them is petrifying. But I had an epiphany and like a whole ass vision in my head of, in, a, in many lives, jumping off a bridge to end my own life. This is completely out of, outside a session. And I'm like, holy fuck, that's why I'm scared. I was out of control in these lifetimes. Um, it's At least I felt out of control. And I climbed on these bridges and took my own life. That was, that's where that out of control thing. It was one of those epiphanies like after the session and for days you kind of just get all these new downloads about stuff and it was that one it was like I actually was out of control and I took my life and now in this life bridges scare the shit out of me and so how is knowing that affected you in your current life in terms of that fear on a few different levels like if I'm driving on a bridge, I'm still getting that nerve shake. Like it's programmed in me for the last 40 years to get that panic attack. But I don't, I don't have these visions of the whole bridge collapsing anymore and all of that. I have more of like a realization like, okay, this is a moment where I really need to do some introspection and realize how in control of my life I am now. And even though I'm on a bridge <laughs> and even though in previous lives I've used these bridges as means to get out of these lives like it doesn't have the same the same threat it doesn't feel the same now I'm I still panic I'm still terrified of heights and all of that but what I do have is a lot of control over myself and my life and I realize that now and I just they don't hurt the same I think they're beautiful I think bridges are so pretty um they're art really and I can look at them that way now instead of like a death trap <laughs> and I love like what you are kind of describing is the healing that can take place from class life progression sessions but it's not always the healing we might expect like yeah you are still living with this fear. Mm -hmm. It's not healed completely or erased from your experience, but there was healing that took place in that the information that came through allowed you, maybe you can't fully relax and be like all Zen when you're going over the bridge, but like it at least was able to dial back that panic. Yeah. To a manageable place. Yeah. Like I don't, I mean, I think I've only, since that happened, I believe it was on a bridge when it happened. And I think I told my husband, like, oh my God, I killed myself. Like, I'm pretty sure he's going to admit me somewhere sometime soon. But, and, and like, I told him about it, but instead of like closing my eyes and him being like, okay, we're off the bridge. Like I was able to like 
talk about those experiences and kind of let that out. And that's what you need to do in order to fully heal. I need to actually do work to make it comfortable to be on a bridge, especially driving on a bridge. That's just, it just seems so up in the air to me. Like it's such a Russian roulette game to me when you drive on a bridge, but it doesn't have to be. And that's the work that you or I have to do once we figure out, you know, what it is. Okay, now how can I integrate this and make it livable and potentially even like more than that? Like, how can it make me be interested in like, I think bridges are beautiful. Maybe I should go take pictures of bridges and post them up, you know, like that type of thing. Like you can actually work with what you get. I love that. That's so beautiful. It really speaks to the multidimensionality of our experience because there's so many different ways that we can interpret everything. Right. I just love so many. So our fears are like a huge indicator of experiences that we've had in past lives. And they can be helped um, by having that understanding of where they came from. Right. Other indicators in our life of something from the past life can be um, like things in our physical vessel, like chronic illnesses that we're dealing with unexplained pains in our body that mm. the doctor, like you go to the doctor and they say you're fine. Um, right. And different like diseases or disorders that we carry forward. Right. The most famous case that I'll talk about is from Dr. Michael Newton, which is our guy. We've mentioned him many times already. This is actually like a famous case and one of my favorites because it's like kind of how Dr. Newton accidentally discovered past life regression mm -hmm. because he had, uh, Dr. Michael Newton was doing traditional hypnotherapy to work through like traumas and um, physical conditions in the life, but uh, regressing people back to childhood to determine the root cause of, of those problems. Well, when he was in session, whoops, with this client, I just dropped my crystal. Yeah. <laughs> like I always love to hold a crystal. Uh, when he was in session, yeah. I'm holding my necklace too. I sit here and play with it the whole time. <laughs> Here's a <the> girlies. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Newton was regressing this client. So this client came to them with a pain in their leg that was plaguing them their whole life and no doctors could explain it. There was nothing genetic going on. There was nothing physically wrong on all the scans that this client like went to doctors where everything was showing up normal, but there was this pain in the leg that was unexplained. And the doctor, I think finally suggested some type of like, uh, like spiritual reason or something, which is what led this client to try hypnosis because basically like nothing else was working and they were desperate enough to try hypnosis. Um, obviously like hypnosis, it, it's viewed more favorably now, but that's right. like this woo woo thing or it's like, yeah, go try that. Like no, we can't, I don't know. <laughs> right. Cause he was from like the sixties, right? The sixties and seventies. I feel like eighties maybe, but like, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. It could be, it could be later. but anyways, this patient went to him and Dr. Not Michael Newton did what he did, regressing people back to the source of the pain. Mm -hmm. And he was extremely 
taken by surprise when this client didn't go into something from their childhood, but this client actually regressed into a scene from where he was a sergeant in World War I, and he was killed with a bayonet through that exact spot on the leg that had been plaguing him with pain his whole life. Is that is this in Journey of Souls? Because I think I remember this story. Okay, okay. I love this. Okay. Started it all for Dr. Newton. And this client gave was able to give a name, a military unit, and a badge number from this hypnosis regression that he was in. And Dr. Michael Newton, being kind of like a history, you know, fanatic went to um, the Imperial War Museum in London and factually very verified everything that this client described in that session. And the client had no idea about, like had no knowledge of this in their current life. Mm-hmm. All that to say, Dr. Newton provided some quantum healing to this patient um, during that session and they walked out and never had that pain again in their leg. Just by making them aware, like, oh, this is the memory. And then your soul releases that memory potentially and allows. Yeah, the soul was able to understand where that trauma came from and realize that it's no longer theirs to carry and it was able to be healed and go away. Um, This is like my favorite case because it started Dr. Michael Noon's entire work and he went on to do this work for over 40 years with thousands of clients and right. the way for um, people like us to do this work now and, and other pioneers in the field like Dolores Cannon and Dr. Brian Weiss, which we've talked about before, like all have this data-driven research that backs up what ancient peoples have been talking about forever and right. lives. And what our elites have known this whole time, but they neglect letting us know because they don't want us. Ultimately, they don't want us healed, you know, but right. That's a whole series like, but it's just so cool when you think about it and you think of these modalities and how well they work. They work so much better than anything big pharma has to offer and so much better than traditional therapy. And these modalities are now like, they're becoming mainstream and one day they really are going to be like the mainstream like people will be seeking hypnotherapists for all of this stuff because that's how easy and effective this deep-rooted healing is it's like i mean it, it medicine traditional medicine big pharma doctors like if you need a surgery you need a surgery and there's nothing you could do about that but ultimately we are our own healers and allowing us into our bodies and to like relax enough to heal ourselves that's that's the huge the huge lesson in red letters here is like they're the facilitators and they figured it out but that's all you need is sometimes is just the awareness that it happened and that that disease is gone yeah and to have that awareness you really just need to have a curiosity of like where is this coming from why do I have a pain that I've done right where does that come from why do I have this irrational fear of x y or z and where does yeah yeah it's so it's really profound like we have these these materials and these modalities that are fingerprints now fingerprints fingertips now like 
if that doesn't get people excited, I don't know what the fuck will. <laughs> because you can heal anything. Like in one of Dolores Cannon books, she a girl who had a single mastectomy, they literally the whole class watched one boob even out to the other boob after she had breast cancer in one boob. An entire class witnessed this. And when you have this kind of magic right in front of your eyes, how can you not believe world peace is coming? Like, gosh, I love that. How could you not believe that shit? It's there. It's here. And that's probably why we're here is to illuminate these conversations and share these things because a lot of that is um, kind of still on, on the underground. I mean, it's definitely not something that you're hearing about on the news. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's all for control and fear and all of that. All that to say, like, there are so many clues in our current life that lead to our past lives. And the last uh, kind of thing I wanted to touch on in that regard was about our passions and the things that we're fascinated by. So that can also be a huge clue from a past life is like, if you are endlessly fascinated by a place, a country, like on this planet, if you're endlessly fascinated by a specific time period, or if you are fascinated by this hobby or something that like, just from a kid, you've always been obsessed with painting or right violin or something like that like those can all be clues that you had a past life experience that was like more of positive it's you know not like the fear right. of and the illnesses but it's like there's also a lot of really fun clues that we come up in our lives that lead to past lives and um the case i wanted to share in this example was um a very famous okay so there is actually that not a lot of people know about, but there is an entire department dedicated to studying past lives um, at the University of Virginia. It's called the Division of Perceptual Studies. And this started because between the ages of zero to seven, five to seven, kids are actually much more aware of all that is. Mm-hmm conditioning from society like really gets deeply ingrained and it's not uncommon for kids to spontaneously recall past life memories and just say it out of the blue like it's the most natural thing in the world like you hear a lot about parents who will say like they were just driving to school one day and their their kid was like hey like remember when you were the baby and I was the mom and there's a very famous case that uh, was verified by the University of Virginia. It's a case uh, from James Leninger. And he, James Leninger was a World War II pilot that- uh, Oh God, I remember this. Goosebumps. But there was this little boy named Ryan who at four years old, Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to the next one. This, this little boy grew up with this fascination about planes and pilots and was able to recall with stunning, like clarity, like specific details about being a pilot in world war, world war two. And his parents had no idea what to do with this kid who was just spitting out facts about world war ii that had never even like been taught about world war ii even his own name i'm pretty sure 
he even remembered his own name. Yes. So they parents, the parents contacted the University of Virginia and got in touch with researchers there who were able to have conversations with this little boy and place him as like the reincarnated soul of James Leninger, who was the World War II pilot. And this this child's uh, facts were actually verified. And there's another case of a little boy who had a speckled birthmark on his chest. And he recalled being killed at close proximity by a shotgun in a remote village in India. Mm -hmm. Little boy, like, grew up in the States, had no understanding of like the country of India or what it's like or whatever, but the university was able to go to that village that this boy recalled and connect his story to an actual story that happened in that village where a man was shot in the chest by a shotgun in the same exact spot that that little boy has his birthmark. And so yeah, actually another clue right of where and how you died in your last life like that show from the first episode we did on souls the one I was like popped off it's called the ghost inside my child I believe both of those stories are actually on that show and they have cases on there where they actually like like a girl was this one one person a man and she died but she was really close with her sister in that life so she was a boy, she died, she was close with a sister, right? Well, that sister is still alive, but but she's reincarnated into this little girl. And so the parents actually met her up with that sister and they were able to like reminisce on memories as a ch- children together, but her as being the little boy who had, he wasn't a little boy, I don't think when he passed, but her being the little brother that she remembered and they were actually able to talk about the memories and the stories that they had together, even though this is now a little girl living in this body talking to a very elderly old woman. Like it is insane. Definitely look that show up. It's really incredible. Like for anybody out there who needs proof, they have legitimate proof that you can't, you can't, you can't force a three-year-old to be like, Oh, that time when my mommy, Diana, you know, she did this and this and this and she beat me and like, you go find out this little boy really did die from a really abusive mom named Diana and like he forgave her in this life. He's just like, she just didn't know any better. Like, it's profound shit, dude. So incredible. And it's like, it's one thing to experience this stuff when we're doing this work in past life regression. It's it's one thing to have that experience in a past life regression. It's, it's a whole other like like that level of validation when those experiences can actually be factually verified because again like as much as we are spiritually turned eternal divine beings like we are also humans and we have been taught to look for evidence to support like our beliefs right yeah like need validation and facts to back it up So I love that, like, we're now coming into a time where, like, we have the technology and the ability to take these cases and then, like, go and do the research and factually back it up. Right. And, like, all you have to do 
anybody out there who maybe not doesn't even have like the means to go purchase a past life regression or hypnosis, you can you can actually put yourself in a hypnosis, kind of shut that left side down and see where your imagination takes you because your imagination is your core to your divinity and to, to the angelic realm and the spirit realm. And you you can actually do this without a permission slip through a facilitator. Now, do we want to? No, we want people to do the work for us. So we're going to keep doing it, you know, but the thing, I guess what I'm trying to get at is folks, those who mother or father, somebody, a very young, sweet, innocent, pure soul who tells you all these stories, please don't shut them down. Please listen to them. Please validate their experiences. Please completely open your heart to them and help them like express who they are so they can get rid of all that old past life energy and, and really become the person that they came to reincarnate as this time. Like, don't tell your kids it's your imagination, honor it, feed it, like let them come do what they came here to do. I love that so much. That is so, such an important message to share. And like, it is land to everyone because that's extremely poignant Mm -hmm. and um shoot it just flew out of my head what I was going to say next is that what I saw that went that way I'm just kidding (laughs) because you said it flew out of your head never mind forget my jokes <laughs> I told you I'm regrouping from yesterday's crazy Schumann I'm trying to get it together <laughs> oh wow thought that I wanted to share and it's gone now anyways it, it'll it might come back it might not I guess it wasn't meant to be shared at that moment right but um let's kind of close the conversation with sharing a little bit about like our favorite past life session, whether that was a session that you were under hypnosis or that you facilitated for somebody else. And again, like I said at the beginning, like it's so hard to choose because they're, they're all so meaningful and so special and so important. Like what was your favorite session from what was like that you had described to you or that you've experienced? I'm such a person like, okay, this is very much my personality. I don't want to ever favor anything like because I don't want to hurt the other things feeling like I will use one brush as much as I'll use the other brush because I don't want to hurt that brush's feeling. So I will never be like, oh, that's my favorite. I'm very much like I love them all in different ways person. But I want to say the most profound session would be when you facilitated my past life reading and I think it was the one where I was a healer in that life I was a witch um but but it wasn't even the past life that was my favorite it was the witch wound I had from that life shutting me up in this life and being so petrified to publicly speak or even to be looked at like there are days where I'm like don't even fucking look my way like I will tell my husband that person over there is looking at me and I'm not I'm not in a mood to be looked at. But like in that session, because of my witch wound, you were able to ask my higher self to like stay connected with me and kind of heal that stage fright that I felt so deeply to my core. Like I can't couldn't even 
record a video and edit the crap out of it and post it without being so scared to be seen or heard. But when you connected me to my higher self and um, we figured out because I was killed for saying and doing the things that I believed um, literally since you, since you had my higher self healed at, I I have no problem. Like fucking if you, sorry, if you're going to look at me, I hope you like what you see. And if you don't, I mean, I'm divinely protected and my angels are always looking out for me. So please don't put anything negative my way. But my most favorite thing is that I can actually allow myself to be most authentically me and not care or be scared. I'm going to get hung or burned or like even unfriended by people. I don't care anymore. And just being so like secure in myself from that, like, that's enough for like four more lifetimes of gratitude, in my opinion, because I'm 40. And I, I've never felt more comfortable being myself than since we were able to heal that witch wound. Oh, my gosh, that's so beautiful. That's also definitely like one of my favorite sessions. And again, like, what is favorite, right? Because they're also meaningful. Yeah. I think that session also speaks to what we're experiencing collectively in the rise of the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. I think because we're having conversations like this and more women are tapping into their soul's remembrance versus like what they're experiencing right now, like so many women are waking up and so many women are finally at a place where they realize they can speak their truth in this life and they won't be killed for it. Yeah. Because so many of us were killed for it in a past life. And that remembrance coming through not only serves you, Christy, but I think collectively, like it serves the feminine as well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you don't even have to be in a feminine body right now. Like, if you're a man and you're a really proud masculine man, good for you. But the uh, one of the huge reasons you have such a hard time balancing your masculine and your feminine is probably because you had a feminine life where you also had a witch wound or some kind of really dramatic thing that hindered your feminine energy. And that's why you were such a hard masculine man now. But guess what? You can be a soft masculine man and we can heal. We can heal your witch wound too because it will benefit the whole that's true I think a lot of men who were you know women healers which is what have you in past lives maybe carry that remembrance in it in it and they carry it but like it also has manifested into the distorted masculine where like yeah we are in this life buying into the system and trying to be a part of the system that killed them before so that they won't be killed again in this life. So like, yeah, nuance to it. Yeah. And that's such a meta conversation, but I love that that actual like reflection was coming through just from our kind of talking about that one session that you had. It Yeah. So let's talk about your, like your most profound favorite memory or moment, but like maybe personally, not just like clients, but for you personally, like, I can think of one that I'm not going to bring up because it's your personal stuff, but like, I know you got them. Uh, like personally, I think the session that you did on me where I was an Oracle, like 
profoundly me on like every level because I carry her with me now. Like now that I've connected with her, I can feel her in my life now. And it really spoke to the depth of divinity that I have within me and the depth of um, reach that I have into the unseen realms that I really haven't tapped into fully in this life, but I'm now starting to because of right. remembrance is now coming through in such a strong way. That was a really important life for me. Um, as far as like from my clients, I, I should have said our favorite because truly like everything is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like make a hierarchy of like, this is more valuable than the other, but like, um, I'm really, um, I just admit I'm astounded in every life, but like, I love the lives that are unexpected. The lives that are not on earth, I think are so fun. I had a client who went to a future life as a human, but not living on earth. And in that life, they were a spaceship racer. And it was like the coolest thing to hear her describe, like racing her spaceship and like this painting a picture of this futuristic life with our spaceships as homes and like eating food in pill form and things like that. And like the suits that they wore and how this, this person would just love to like, instead of going to our room to spend time alone, like we do now, like she would go in her spaceship out into outer space and she would park up in the stars and just look at space. Oh my God. That's such a dream. Are you kidding? That is such a, that's how I meditate. I just put my light body out in space and I watch the earth sometimes because I'm like, it's so peaceful up here. And she got to do that in a future life. That's rad, dude. So cool. So like, I love the lives like that, where it's like a not, like not a life on earth. I love also like non-human lives. So I've had a client that had a past life as a tree and that was really beautiful. And then the client that I had just yesterday where she was a dinosaur and she described the scene of like, she had six eggs and five of them were eaten by a predator, but one survived. And like, she didn't grieve the loss of those baby dino eggs in that life. And like, that's something that she's actually dealing with in this life. So it was like, so interesting to draw those parallels, but like the lives that are like completely unexpected were like the beginning of session. You're like, what do your feet look like? What do your hands look like? And you're right who the heck is this person? (laughs) Right. Those are so fun for me. Right. No, like my daughter Tatum, she, the 18 year old, she, we did one on her and she was, I think it was energy. It was green energy out in space. That that's what she was. And I'm like, I was very new and I'm like, I don't really know where to go with this. Like, cool. She was in green energy, but like, like if I could go back into that right now and like actually really pull details, it was so like, we actually are all things people we are actually all things all the time all at once and that is so freaking cool like that's so cool wow yeah Dolores Cannon in one of her books was saying something like I think it was her could a big library of people in my head but that dinosaurs were actually the type of human species they were trying to like work with at the time so 
they weren't even full animals. Like they really were trying to put what we consider a human soul in all these different things. But in all actuality, everything already has consciousness. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Bashar even talks about, and we love Bashar. We do, we do. (laughs) Universal consciousness in the terms of past lives is being like, our past lives don't even necessarily need to be attributed to belonging to one individual human because like technically because we all come from one consciousness like our past lives are actually shared past lives mm-hmm. Yourself is just showing you the experience that is going to serve you most and whether or not that was truly like something that you physically experienced is actually not the point because it's technically a shared experience because every soul has experienced every life because yeah all parts of the same soul and source it all makes sense to me it really does I'm like that's why you can give 20,000 different people a past life and they will all be like oh shit I was Marilyn Monroe in that life well no you downloaded Marilyn Monroe's details because there was lessons in that life for you to gain from but it's just a big old artistic mess out there and really it's just up to us to do what we want with it and make the most beautiful painting we can you know but all in all we are all one so that the concept of downloading a life or everybody you know everybody was um who was the egyptian girl cleopatra everybody was cleopatra right everybody was in one way or another but only one physical vessel experienced it all but we all get access to it the rules the healing the adventures like everything that every one life has to offer we all get access to that oh I love that so much so I guess all that to say we are as infinite (laughs) outwards as we are infinite inwards and there's no end to the exploration that we can do in the realm of past lives and future lives and applying that to our current life now so I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation I know personally it's one of my favorites um and if you guys have questions because like I'm sure this brought up different questions for you right let us know comment on the episode like if you're listening on Spotify DM us, reach out, let us know what landed and what questions you have, and we'll continue the conversation. We absolutely will. This is a limitless conversation, and we are here until we have to be, um, basically until we're told we can't be no more. So we're here (laughs) to ask, answer your questions, ask you questions, like all of it. We all just, let's do it together, guys. World peace. I love that. Choose the matrix of love. World peace. Choose love. Choose to align to the frequency of the new earth. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us on this journey of life. And we will catch you in the next episode of New Earth News. And the next life, bitches.